Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We're so grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. Good morning, everyone. Wow! Wow! I leave one week and I get a proper good morning. One more time. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Can we turn to the person on our left and right and say good morning to one another? Good morning. Yeah, can you, can you just throw in a, I've missed you? Ask, ask, ask each other how their weeks were. Ask each other how y'all's weeks were. Spend a minute. Spend a minute. Ask, ask each other. It's a little dark in here. <laughs> That's a very, very short how y'all's weeks. I didn't know y'all's weeks were that short. Uh, but it's really good to see you guys. It's really good to see our family. I missed you. I had a wonderful time um, in my home context, but I'm not going to lie. I, <laughs> I was like in the middle because uh, wherever I went, I went to my, my, instead of going to my home church, Back in New York, I actually ended up going to my friend's home church. Um, a couple of us close ones from college, we, we decided to do worship together because my friends, just like, like to be very upfront, like it's really hard to go to church in the pandemic. So sometimes even my friends, even though I'm a pastor, sometimes my friends will have a hard time going to church. And normally I would be the person back home to be like, hey, let's go to church, but I, I'm not there. So while I was there, the one week I was there, I was like, let's go, you know? And we like squatted up at church. Um, but I'm not gonna lie, right when I hit 11.30, the anxiety about whether or not everything was running well. If y'all heard, I heard, yeah, I was like texting people left and right, making sure, missed you guys a lot. Um, so it's really good to be back. Um, but yeah, today <sighs> I have another disclaimer, um, and today's disclaimer is a bit different. Um, today's disclaimer is a trigger warning. Um, if you might, we might, we are discussing things based about the breaking of promises, um, and that that takes uh, various shapes and forms throughout our family lives and throughout our lives and, and some of us relationally, romantically um, have had promises broken and um, uh, have been mishandled in situations. And so I just wanna give that trigger warning. My intention is not to trigger you and my intention is not to harm you, um, but just to speak into God's word and I, I wanna come at it as compassionately as I can. So today we're gonna be talking about oaths and desires. If you guys can open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5 verses, just one verse, oh actually two verses, verse 33 and verse 37. Matthew chapter 5 verse 33 to 37 or and 37, so I'm only reading those two verses, but today's passage is about everything from 27 to 37. If we could all rise for the reading of God's holy and perfect word. This is the word of the Lord. 
Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Verse 37, let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you just join me in praying while standing? we God we come before you this morning we thank you Lord that even while we might have had moments of distraction even while we might be prioritizing other things Lord that you and your faithfulness you bring us back here in one piece every week we thank you Father for this sanctuary we thank you for this family uh, regardless of how dysfunctional we might be sometimes Lord we thank you for the fact that you have given us a home a spiritual home and Lord, we thank you, Father, for this room, for this church, for these equipment that we did not pay for with our own money, but have been passed on to us by the brothers and sisters in the faith that came before us. We thank you, Lord, for unity in the body. We thank you, God, that you bring us uh, here in this one space. So Father, as we are here, would you make us of one accord? Father, Lord, I pray for our hearts to be softened this morning. I pray for our hearts to be mended this morning. I pray for healing in Jesus' name. I pray for the lifting off of things that are bothering us, that are keeping us from you in Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, for the mending of low self-esteem this morning in Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, for conviction to turn into commitment this morning in Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, for the trust in you, uh, for, for us to trust in you, uh, and, and I pray for honesty and integrity to really rise forth in the hearts of your people this morning in Jesus name Lord I, I pray father uh, just for just I take a minute Lord to pray for pray for myself uh, God I am your mouthpiece but I am human uh, Lord you know how much I have wept preparing this sermon and so God I just pray that you would uh, give me strength God uh, truly would you make me your vessel whatever you need me to be this morning would you hide me behind your cross this is your word for your people and it is your word for all of us even even myself and so God may I be laid down and may you be glorified uh, Lord may you be glorified and may your word prevail Father, may hearts come into clarity this morning. May hearts come into community this morning. May hearts come into conviction this morning. May we commit ourselves again to you this morning. For those of us who are in darkness, may we come back into the light. For those of us who are withholding truth from one another, may we come into the light. For those of us who have broken promises, may we come into the light this morning. For those of us who have been harmed by the breaking of promises in our friendships and in our families, Lord, would we come into the light this morning? And Lord, may you nourish us, may you fill us, may you be our hiding place, may you be our refuge, may you be our friend, anointed one, we exalt you this morning. And so Jesus, may your, your presence be, be, be clear in the hearts of every person who comes here. May the reality of who you are hit us right in the face. For Father God, this is not about emotion. We are not here to play games with feelings. Lord, you are the living and active God, and your word is living and active. Regardless of whether we trust you, regardless of whether or not we have looked at you, Jesus, your word is real. And so we press into you this morning. So God, would you be with us? May it be your word and your word alone. 
May hearts align and return to you this Sunday. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Be seated, church. Okay, so this is a passage that starts from verse 27 to verse 37. I know you guys see um, the subtitles of this passage, and I recognize that our congregation, by the grace of God, is multi-generational, and that we have older people, but that we also have our beloved younger brothers and sisters in the faith, and you are so important to God. And so if you get overwhelmed, younger brothers and sisters in the faith, if you get overwhelmed, you know, it's okay to be overwhelmed. Put it on a shelf. Uh, I understand you can rest in God's presence. You don't have to try to stuff your head with everything that you're hearing. And I'm going to try my best to be as gentle with my words as possible. But we're going to actually take it and we're going to walk it back because God takes us down lust and then the breaking of a marriage covenant. And then he goes into oaths because he's attacking the heart, really. He's attacking the heart here. And it comes right after the passage of anger too. Um, and it, he's just really attacking the heart. If you guys can, I know uh, Javon gave an excellent word, uh, but if we can take it a couple of weeks prior, we were talking about anger. We were talking about how God, God talks about how anger produces this crookedness in our hearts and how anger is toxic for our souls and how God desires for us to worship him. Um, and so we're going to just walk it back. So we're going to do oaths and then we're going to walk it back into a uh, more visible manifestation of that. So if so today's passage starts with verse 33 and it says, again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not break your oaths, but you will keep them before God. Now, I'm I want to just bring into context here what it means to take an oath. What does it mean for today's for us today to take an oath? Think about it. What does it mean for us? When was the last time you saw somebody take an oath? When was the last time you saw somebody take an oath? I will take hands. I will take words. I like dialogue. I like hearing your voices. What was, when was the last time you have ever seen on television, in real life, somebody take an oath? Yeah, you know. Yes. You can take an oath. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yo, I used to be in love with Hong Joong-gi. So anyway, oh man, when the sentence of the sun first came out, I did not stop watching that for a year. Anyway, so, um, oh, speaking to my soul. Anyway, so yes, you the Hippocratic Oath, right? Doctors take an oath, right? And the oath is sacred. And the oath is about ethics and it's about integrity. But the oath is also legal for the Hippocratic Oath, right? It's a, it's an, it's a legal oath. To be ethically moral, it's a legal oath to keep uh, confidentiality. It's a legal oath just as much as it is an ethical oath, a moral oath, and a sacred oath. When was another time you saw an oath? Yes, the president takes an oath. When he gets inaugurated, the president takes an oath into office. When a president of the law takes an oath into office, what does it look like? Specifically, what is he doing with his hands? Does anybody know? One, ha one person has a hand on the Bible, right? Right hand on the Bible. What's the left hand? It's up. Isn't that interesting? It's a governmental oath. It's a legal oath. It's a legally binding contractual oath to people in the place, place of government. But he puts his hand 
on the Bible. It ain't church, though. But he puts his hand on the Bible. Another time that anybody takes an oath is an oath of perjury. When witnesses testify in a court of law, like let's say somebody, you're saying, I saw that guy steal her house or her car. And you're like, I saw him, I saw him. You can't just say, I saw him to the judge. He can't just be like, your honor, I saw him. Before you go to take a stand and vocalize something, they make you take an oath to solemnly swear that you will tell nothing but the truth and only the truth. Your hand is still on a Bible. Interesting. Interesting. Why? And, you know, in recent, in recent days, uh, people have sought to switch that out for, for, other, for other sacred texts um, or even governmental texts. But in the same way, oath-taking in the context of what Jesus is talking about here is legal and spiritual. People often invoked God to affirm a statement. What I th those are big words, sorry guys. People used to bring in, drink, draw in the, in the name of God to make a statement, right? A more colloquial version of that that we see is, I swear to God, I swear to God, I didn't do it. It wasn't me, it wasn't me. Um, and these things, it was a sacred oath because you're invoking the name of God, but it had legal implications. It had legal implications in government or in law. And you would be held to your word. You can get punished for a false word. People would swear by heaven or hell. People would swear towards Jerusalem. They would swear by the hairs on their head. They would swear by their mother's grave. They would swear by things that were hefty to themselves. And it was both legal and spiritual. Jesus here has problems with that. <laughs> Not because he has problems with promises. Jesus himself is a fulfillment of about 365 promises. I just heard that last week. Pastor Gus, he's my... Um, the pastor that was preaching last week, he is uh, um, my, my upperclassman's upperclassman. Um, it was really good to connect with him. Um, but he had reminded me, especially that this is very, this is very uh, on, on brand because the book of Matthew is all about how Christ fulfills everything in the Old Testament. Um, and so Jesus himself is the fulfillment of a heck of a lot of promises that were made, okay, that the people of God were told to believe in things that had not yet come to pass. It's like when your mama says, I'm gonna buy you this. You're like, mom, when are you gonna buy me an iPhone? The new iPhone 13 came out, it looks glorious, right? Mom, when are you gonna buy me the new iPhone? I promise, next month, next month rolls around. Mama, when are you gonna buy me the iPhone? After your finals, after your finals. Finals rolls around. Mama, I'm done, when are you gonna buy me a phone? Okay, okay, in the spring, right? And you're like getting exasperated, but you're you're being forced, not forced, but you're being told to trust something before it has come to pass, right? And so Jesus himself was the fulfillment of a heck of a lot of those that God did in scripture, right? And yet, he has a problem. He finds, 
he finds problem with the way that people use this. You know why? It's because people would overuse oath-taking in order to have credibility. What does that mean? In order for people to trust what they have to say, they would say it too much. It's like when I say I love you, and the first time you say I love you to your boyfriend or your girlfriend or you know, your wife or your husband or even to your child and to your parent and to your sibling, the first time you say I love you, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I think I went like 16 years without telling my dad I loved him because I didn't know, because my dad is like kind of like, he's like kind of like, he has no emotion on his face and growing up he scared me a lot. And then when, he, when I grew up I realized, ah, that's not what it is. But you know, when you're younger you don't know how to read that. And so you're like, huh? thank you dad, you know? It's like, what do, what do you, <laughs> he's, like, he's like, what do you say? And I'm like, thank you. You know, <laughs> so I didn't know how to like fully say I love you because, you know, he's like OG Korean Ajashi. You know what I'm saying? He's like OG, OG, like, you know, stone faced, stone cold killer. You know, he's like OG, OG. So like I didn't know how to say I love you until I was like 16 or like 18. Some crazy number like that. Um. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but the after you say it the first time, the more you say it, the more, not, not that the words themselves, not that you mean them less, but sometimes they hold less weight, right? Like the boy who cried wolf. The first time he says wolf, everyone comes running. The time the wolf is actually there and he's like about to get eaten up and killed, nobody comes because they're like, ah, he's just kidding, right? Like the more you say things, especially when you're not, they're not true, the more they lose their weight, right? And so Jesus has a problem with oath-taking oath here because people would talk out of their butts and then swear <laughs> by heaven. <laughs> they would, I promise I didn't do it. I didn't take your ring. I promise to God. And then like a week later, that, wing is, that ring is in their vanity cabinet. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you say that so many times that it loses its luster. It loses its shine. It loses its weight. Um, and so God has a problem with that. Rightfully so. He says, keep me out of it. <laughs> he literally says, keep me out of it. Do not make any oath at all. <laughs> Keep me out of it. You know, like when you, like, for example, oh, I'm using a lot of like family, oh man, that's, this is all gonna bite me in the butt in about 15 minutes, but my mom and I, we can go at it. We're very similar, um, but she's like a really strong leader type, um, and I'm just trying to keep up. And that's why I come off real strong. It's because I have a strong mama that I've had to learn to live with, all right? Like, I'm pretty much a high money. When you see me in my room, I'm pretty much a grandma. I will, like, literally be in my room forever, like, just kind of like, hey, you know? But, you know, I have learned. I've learned to live. That's what it is, okay? In New York City with my mama, you would be like me too, okay? Um, and so my mom can go, my mom and I, we can go at it, right? And two people that cannot go at it with us is my younger sister and my dad. And sometimes my mama likes to do this thing where she's like, no, I'd like, I'm like, mom, why are you doing that? I don't know. She's annoyed me about something. It's all the time. So <laughs> she said something. It's like, mom, why are you doing that? And she's like, no, like I didn't do it. Right, Songi? 
<laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't touch your stuff. Right, Yobo? <laughs> right, honey? No, 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 no. I wasn't like that. Right, right, right? Conversely, right, when you inverse that, let's say I went, um, let's say I went somewhere, right? Uh, earlier this month, <laughs> Earlier this month, uh, by the grace of God, he gave me a very small incubator of time. Um, very safely, you know, with COVID and everything and testing and all that good stuff. Um, we were, I was able to go to um, Canada, like right above the border. And my mama found out on my, she found out on my Finsta. Because I didn't tell her <laughs> that I was going. And then I posted, oh, arrived safely. And I forgot to hide it from her on my story and so she DMs me going you're in Canada and I'm like normally here I would be like I'm not right Hongi right but I was caught red-handed but normally like let's say I do something um, and I don't want my mama to find out but she has I don't know what it is about mothers they just always know they just always know and if she doesn't know God tells her in prayer you know like there is no getting around it there is no getting around it ever okay and so when my mama knows it, she's like Jane What's going on with you, girl? And I'm like, I, nothing. Nothing. I didn't do nothing. I didn't have nothing. Not me. Not me. Right, Songi? And she's like, leave me out of it. <laughs> she's like, literally like here in the corner, like, I want to disappear, right? Um, because when my mom does this, she has to be like, oh. <laughs> oh, yes. Right? Because Appa's just like, leave me out of it, right? Uh, but, and so we both bully her. Um, by dragging her into our fights. But obviously, that's not cool. Y'all heard her here. That's not cool. That's not always cool, right? Um, but you bring somebody into something, like when two people are fighting and someone looks over at another person and goes, right? The honest, honest God reaction is, don't bring me into this. It's kind of like that. Jesus is like, leave me out of your promise, especially if you weren't going to keep it anyway. Leave me out of your promise. Don't invoke me. And he also brings into the question that when you invoke God, you are for, like forcing the name of God into an affirmation of your statement. Like you're forcing God to agree. You're kind of like shoving him to agree, right? But that's not really our place. Like heaven isn't under our beck and call. <laughs> we have no control over heaven. <laughs> we have no control over hell. We have no control over God. So Jesus is saying, leave me out of it. And he, he says this with purpose, right? Some of you all might be wondering, is Jesus saying, because some people are like, don't swear by this, don't swear by that. Like, yes, I would say, like, be careful about using God's name, right? But it's not necessarily about that. It's not necessarily saying like, oh, swearing by something is sinful. It's more along the lines of, because Jesus is not saying oath-taking is bad. He makes oaths as well. He promises things by the Father as well. But he's saying, don't rely on this. He says, in verse 30, 37, he says, let your word stand on its own. A yes is a yes, and a no is a no. And in Hebrew, this repeat is emphasis. It's emphatic, strong. It's not like yes, be. It's like 
yeses be yeses and noes be noes. Don't rely on a promise, just tell the truth. Jesus here is asking his church, his people to be honest and have honesty and integrity with their words. That is the hard posture that he's talking about here. But there's one oath in particular that proves really important, and that's marriage. And so Jesus talks about, he points to honesty in our words and in our hearts. He points to integrity in our words and in our hearts, not only in the context of general oaths, but in marriage. So we're going to walk this passage back to talk about harder things. And this is where the trigger warning really comes into play. Okay. In the context of marriage and also divorce, the context is that people in this time didn't really care about anything as much as they cared about marriage. What I mean by that is, even if you had a wife, because this, this right and privilege was not extended to women, the men of Israel, even if they had a wife, they were allowed to have girlfriends. As long as the oath of marriage wasn't broken, they were allowed to do whatever the heck they wanted. The there, was less own there was less emphasis on faithfulness and a hefty emphasis on keeping, keeping the oath. The context of, you know, we, we hear it in the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's house, right? And this word adultery, in this context, in this part of culture, what it means is forcing respectable women into engaging romantically, physically, and violating their honor. Because at this time, the idea of consent was not a thing. That's just, we have to, that's just what it was, right? And so um, this context, what Jesus is saying here sounds harsh. The reason why Jesus is harsh is because this context, for this context, there was no emphasis on faithfulness at all. And so what Jesus is saying to the, to the brothers, but obviously in today's day and age, it applies to all of us. He's saying, if you've said yes to somebody, that's a yes. Don't just break your promise to another person. Jesus is saying, get your heart together. The heart is what wanders first. Think about it. Like, in order for me to say, in order for me to walk, I have to look this way and think, I'm going to walk this way. Jesus is saying, hey, don't even think about it. Because <laughs> sometimes we're like, oh, should we walk this way? And then nah, and then we end up not. But Jesus is saying, that's just as bad. Don't think about it. Don't think about walking in that direction. Y'all might be wondering, Jane, is God saying that everyone who's divorced is bad? No, 
That is not what this passage is about. This passage is about breaking promises frivolously. The word frivolous means out on a whim, just because you want to. It's like, oh, I know I said yes to being with this person forever, but I don't want it anymore. Jesus is saying that's not okay. Jesus is saying God's people, we have to be, we have to be people of honor. We have to let our yeses be yeses and let our noes be noes. Is God saying that there's no good reason for divorce? No. This is specifically one context that Jesus is invoking. There are, I will get into this in a little bit, but what God is saying is that he did not create the concept of two people coming together and becoming one so that it could be broken. He's saying he did not design that promise with breakage in mind. That's all Jesus is saying. Jesus is not condemning, like, Jesus is just saying that's supposed to be the weight of your promise. Why do you treat it so lightly? And Jesus is saying, y'all think that just breaking the marriage is breaking an oath. But when you have your girlfriends, that ain't cool either. Jesus is just calling out a specific way of living where people would say one thing and do another. I'm gonna read a definition here, and that definition is unusually intense or unbridled, which is uncontrolled longing or desire. Unusually intense or unbridled longing or desire. What do you think this word is? I'm gonna say, I said this definition, try to guess the word. What's this word? Unusually intense or uncontrolled longing or desire. When you hear this definition, what do you, what do you feel? I feel a little uncomfortable. I feel a little scared. The word that I'm defining here is the word lust. The point of this specific level of longing is that it's like, you know how, oh my God, you know how in, in love songs, right, Everybody here listens to pop songs. Pop songs talks about this, that, and the third, right? Um, but one of the things that they always talk about is that love is like fire. Like, oh my God, fire, right? There's a Blackpink song, and it's called Playing With Fire. Oh my God, I was burned by this boy, this bad boy, right? Sorry, I don't know why I said that. Um, but yes, like, love is talked about in the context of, like, fire, right? If it's too strong, you'll get burned, right? And it's like, everybody talks about it. Taylor Swift talks about it. Um, and lust is like a fire that you try to hold in your hands. It burns you, and it burns the other person that it's toward. It's just your want 
It's just your longing. But it hurts people. It hurts you, and it hurts yourself. I know you guys have eyes, and if you guys look up to verse 27, I know what it sounds like. You know, it says, if your right eye causes you to sin, like, toss it into the fire. If your right hand causes you to sin, like, toss it into the fire. And, like, that is very, very intense, okay? <laughs> like, please do not toss your eyes and your hands into fire. Please, for the love of God. That is not what you have learned today, okay? That is not what you have learned today. And honestly, like, when I first read this, I was like, Jesus, that's a little dramatic. That's a little dramatic. You know, Jesus is a little dramatic. He is. I love you, Jesus. I'm sorry. I love you, but you're a little dramatic sometimes. But I think he meant for it that way, right? And even in his expression of this, it's correct. Not because lust is that, like, not because he condemns lust that much. And if you have any form of unbridled longing, you will be tossed into eternal flames. No. Jesus is not, he's not condemning like that. He's not fear-based like that. He's not intimidation-based like that. He's not negative reinforcement. He's not like, if you do this wrong, you're, Jesus is only stating the severity of lust in and of itself. He is saying that is how serious lust can be. He is not saying that it is cool to toss your organ into the fire. He is saying that's how much lust can be dangerous. Don't play with it, is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying lust is the same thing as putting your hand into a burning frying pan. Okay? He's saying, look at your heart. Look at your heart. Because he's saying that this unfaithfulness in the context that it's in it is, it's a marriage, it's an equation of this lust, this fiery lust, and a breaking of promise. He's saying don't play games. He's saying the heart matters. He's saying be honest and be, have integrity. Let your yeses be yeses and let your noes be noes. And in all of this, we've, today we've talked about oaths, we've talked about, promise, we've talked about promises, we've talked about marriage and divorce, and we've talked about lust. But there's one thing that is in common with all of these things, and it's the heart. It's the heart. Deciding to lie starts with a thought. Wanting to stray starts in the heart. Mistreating another person starts with a thought. Wanting somebody intensely starts with the thought. Jesus is saying, I am not just, Jesus is saying, he's not just talking about these concepts, but he's, he's trying to get us to a point where we can address something in our hearts. Because he says here, and we don't want to miss it, he says in verse 27, he says, even if you think about a woman, right, to the men, he's saying, even if you think about a woman, to a woman, even if you think it is the same thing, right? Even if you're angry in your heart, if you hate a brother in your heart, you might as well have murdered him. Why Jesus is saying that is because that's where it starts. That's where it starts. The heart is where it starts. So 
you might wonder, Jane, if I have lusted, do I have to chop off my eye or hand or go to hell? No. No. That is not what you learned in sermon today. Jesus does not want you to do that, okay? He loves your hand and he loves your eyes, all right? He's saying that lust in and of itself, it ain't cool. And he's saying that it's dangerous. He's talking out of care for you and care for the person that you long for. Some of us in this room, these words are just words and we don't have to identify anything because we have not experienced any of these. Some of us in this room have been hurt by a breaking of promises, by unfaithfulness. Um, some of us in this room, and this is my trigger warning, um, have not been handled properly. Um, and in this concept of what it means to be adulterous, have been subjected to this or have unknowingly participated. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm a woman. Can you guys tell that I'm a woman? I'm a woman. I'm an Asian American woman. I know, I'm a woman. I am um, 26. <laughs> yeah, you hold on to him. I am a woman, okay? Uh, <laughs> and um, if I were to be honest, like, it was really hard for me to think about preaching this sermon. Um, to take off, like, to come off the pulpit a little bit. Um, it was hard for me to obey God and preach this portion of the Sermon on the Mount because my life has been marred by the breaking of promises. Um, and my, the woman in my family, and myself included, like I have experienced things that I wish I never experienced. Um, I know what it's like to long for somebody as well. I know what it's like to be burned by somebody else's longing. And um, I know what it's like. My life, a lot of the brokenness in my childhood was comes out of my biological father's decision to break his promise. Um, and also just the mistreatment that my mother has gone through in her life. And I wept a lot preparing the sermon because I really really didn't want to preach it. I came in here at 11.30, right when service started, because I really, really didn't want to preach this. But it's important. It's important that we talk about this here before you guys get exposed to anything about this outside. We are the people of God. And some of us, praise God, these things might not be personal to you. Some of us, our hearts might be clenching and unclenching right now. If I have triggered you, I'm so sorry. Um, I am very triggered too. I don't know if that helps you. Um, but it gives me so much peace to know that God did not design promises to be broken. 
that God did not design your will to be trampled by somebody else's longing. That God did not design us to be people without integrity. In this world, it's easy for us, especially the more we go through things, to get cynical. It's easy for us to not trust people because they're not gonna keep their word anyways and not believe in people because they're not gonna be any good anyways. It's easy for us to get bitter and broken. I know, that's exactly where I was. And I, you know what, I still wrestle with that because I am still, I am still learning how to be healed and whole. Um, but by the grace of God, like I'm in a position where I can deliver this sermon um, with the help of, of this stand that I hold on to very tightly. Um, and I can tell you that God did not intend for the pain that has come out of these things. And so if you are somebody in this room that have been hurt, I have found peace in the fact that God loves us. If you are somebody that might have participated in something like this, I have found peace in the fact that God loves all of us. Whether or not we have been the ones to hurt others with our fires, or we have been the ones to be burned by another person's fires, whether we are the ones to have broken promises, or we are the ones that are hurt off of another person's broken promise. God loves us. He did not design us to live in the pains that come out of this. And he is there for you. God is there for you. When no one else is, he is your safety. When nobody else, when nobody else knows how to keep their word, there is peace and comfort in the arms of a father that did not intend for it to be that way, that calls us past the world to not live in that. There is joy that we can live in and hope that we can live in and a tomorrow that we can press into because that is not God's design for your life. And there is a future glory that we can trust in because God has greater things for you. Regardless of whether or not you were the one to break the promise or you were the one that was hurt by it. That God died for that moment. And that we can hope for greater things than the depravity of humankind. <laughs> because God is greater than the depth of sin. Where sin runs deep, his grace runs deeper. And perfect love covers a multitude of sins. His love is patient and kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, and it keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not rejoice in evil, but delights in the truth. It trusts all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. It perseveres. That love was displayed. Romans 5.8 says, I mean, I've been quoting scripture for a minute now, but Romans 5.8 says, Christ's love was demonstrated on the cross. And that love is not for cookie-cutter sin moments. Oh, God, I broke a laundry list of sins. Like, I didn't read the Bible. God's love covers the depths of what that means. We live in a real, real world with real, real brokenness. And the glory that we hope in is that no matter what you've done, no matter how you've been hurt, God loves you. Yes, I am a child whose life started with divorce. And now it is whole. And I have a full family. I have gained a father that is the father of my, that is the earthly father of my soul. I have gained so much out of God's redemption, so much more than the world could have given me. That is hope. Hope is not in better circumstances. It's not in success. It's not in preparing as much money as you can so that your children will never have to experience what you experienced. Hope is the person of Christ. Hope is the fact that somebody died. Somebody paid the price for that, that brokenness, for your lie, for your hurt off of somebody else's lie. That God die for the, died for that. And so you don't have to live and bear that on your shoulders for the rest of your life. You can hope to be free. You can hope to heal. You can hope to be whole again. That is the gospel. You are not alone. God is also not a God that is not compassionate to you. God is a God that understands. Not every family is perfect. Not every life is perfect. We have not always done the best things. And there's not often a lot to look forward to. But you can walk into your future and into your relationships because someone loved you and fully forgave you. That's the gospel. You are set free. All of those things, they might weigh down on your emotions. There might be a lot that you have to heal from. A Band-Aid ain't gonna cover a gushing wound, girl, or boy. But allow yourself. You are released from it. Those things, they do not bear on you anymore. How do we apply this? One thing is obvious. Let your yeses be yeses. Let your noes be noes.
Let your yeses be yeses and let your noes be noes. Lust is like fire. Don't play with it. Don't say, oh, I can get along, I can get away with this and that. Be careful. Be careful. And I choose this language because I, I'm not out here to act like all of us don't have desires in our hearts. We do, y'all. I do. We all do. Y'all, we all sit here. Let's not act like holy perfect people. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay, but be careful. Be careful. Don't just play with it. Don't get burned by it. Be careful to not burn another person with it. It's complicated. And if you have been hurt by these things, if you have participated in these things, God offers himself in reaction to you. He offers safety. He offers protection. And he offers cover. He took your pain and your sin on the cross. That's the gospel. Don't get so lost in the feelings that you are feeling that you do not grab the gospel in your life. Don't just spiral into your feelings. Grab that gospel. It is yours. It is yours. So we're going to take a minute to pray. I don't know where you guys, what you guys might be feeling right now, but we're just going to take a minute to pray. called out to you. Whatever you might be processing or feeling, or maybe none of this is relevant to you. It seems, sometimes it might seem like we have to like worshiping God and praying that God is hard. But if just without clenching, and tensing your muscles, if we could just release all that and come before God in honesty um, and in that integrity and ask for him to be
become people that can walk past past what we have what has been broken in our lives because there is a God who loves us North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We're so grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com.